Hi, welcome to Franklin Covey's On Leadership series. I'm Scott Miller and I serve as your ongoing host. Today, I'm delighted to have in the studio Franklin Covey's Vice President of Consulting and the co-author of the best-selling book, The Five Choices. Lena Renee, welcome to On Leadership. Thanks, Scott. It was a short walk down from the suite upstairs, That's right. right? So I'm glad you're here today. Glad to be uh, here. Looking forward to talking about The Five Choices. I don't want to forget at the end of the interview, let's talk about another book you're co-authoring called Fierce Loyalty, yeah. coming out in just about eight weeks. That's right. So if so I forget, exciting. remind me about yeah, that. So perfect. today's all about the five choices. Mm -hmm. Now you co-authored this book about four and a half, five years ago, went on to be a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Congratulations. Thank you. As if you needed one more accolade to add to your already <laughs> long resume. Lane is one of those you'd love to hate because she's kind of the full package and everything, right? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you co-authored it with Corey Kogan and Adam Merrill. And we had Corey in a few months ago in the set. And Corey yeah. did kind of yeah. a bit of a water ski across all five choices. Today I want to take a deep dive on choice five. Choice five. We'll get to it in a minute. Yep. First I want to just kind of refresh for our audience, of which many more thousand subscribers have joined since Corey's interview. Yeah. So if you don't mind, I'm going to not quiz you, but pitch <laughs> yeah. you each of the five choices <laughs> and have you give us a little bit of context for each. Love to. Kind of set the, the level playing field, all right? Perfect. First is, Act on the important, don't react to the urgent. That's exactly right. So that's the foundational choice. That's where I have to be able to discern what are my real priorities, what's important versus what's not important. And and you really do have to get that one right. If you don't, every other effort is a bit meaningless. So making sure you know one, the priorities. Right? That's exactly right. That's right. They're yeah. not in random order. Great. Yeah, yeah. Number two, go for extraordinary, don't settle for ordinary. Okay, so in this choice, it's where we get clear on what does extraordinary look like to me, because it's different to me than it is to you, right. just inherently. You're a different person, different role. So have I defined what it means to be extraordinary so that I've got this um, goal or this vision of what I'm working towards? And that you can align what's important to you so you can That's achieve right. extraordinary results. That's exactly right. Choice three, schedule the big rocks, don't sort gravel. Yes, so this is the metaphor. There are some things in your life that are worthy of your finest attention. Those are the priorities. So making sure that you prioritize your every week, right, to reflect what you've already decided is most important in alignment with your extraordinary vision. Versus gravel is the... It's all the minutia, right? Yeah. We all, it's the, it's the minutia right. that we live in day right. to day. Okay, yeah. next is rule your technology, don't let it rule you. Yes, and this Too one's late. critical yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for many of us, right? Yeah. I mean, in today's world, technology can be the thing that either accelerates your productivity or it can absolutely be the thing that hinders you as well. Yeah. So in this choice, we talk about how do you make sure that you align technology to your priorities and create appropriate boundaries so it's not what's derailing you continuously. And not just derail, but it can consume you. That's right. right? I mean, truly yeah. consume you. Yeah. We'll yeah. talk about that. Yeah. some today as well. And then lastly, feel your fire, don't burn out. Yes. So although this is the fifth choice, it's not a footnote and it's not because it's the least important. Mm -hmm. This is about how do you maintain a high enough level of physical and mental energy to carry through on all the other choices because you can make those choices maniacally, but if you are burning out, there is no way that you can execute on your top priorities or be productive in any real sense. So I'm excited about this. Uh, in addition to co-authoring the book, there's a, a work, one and two day work session That's named right. the same yep. that we've talked to literally hundreds of thousands, yes. if not millions people around the world. That's right. You have, I don't know how many hundred or thousands many. of reps, right? <laughs> You've, you have taught yeah. these, this content to many countries, yes. many organizations, many yes. cultures. You're passionate around all five of these. You and I discussed a couple of weeks ago in preparation for today's interview, which choice? And we mm -hmm. spent a half an hour on the phone talking about which yeah. one. And we, we kind of brought it down to choice four or five, right? Yeah. The technology one or the energy one. And today we discussed we discussed the importance of the fifth choice. Yes. 
that's yes. where all time will be today. Is and, and one I'm really passionate about. I mean, in the end, I just feel so excited to talk about this energy level and how, we, how critical it is and what you can do in a really tactical sense to improve your energy level. In fact, when we talked about why we would discuss that today, you mentioned it's easy for people to dismiss it. Yes. So let's talk about it to elevate its importance. Yes, that's right. And I've seen not only that individuals are dismissive, but you can see whole cultures, organizations, and leaders in particular that are a little dismissive. Even if we rhetorically will say it's important, then we don't behave in a way and aligned with keeping energy levels high. Because maintaining your energy level, nurturing it, feeding it is correlated directly to your productivity. That's exactly right. And I think that's a little bit the missing piece. I mean, we hear all of this, you know, exercise, eat right, etc. And then somehow we think it's more important to just plan our day chock full, constant go, on mode, head down, and stay up late, and we just grab what's there to eat. We, we aren't managing our stress not realizing that those are really inextricably linked. If you're going to be more productive, you have to maintain a level of energy that supports the productivity. Well, it, it, it's intuitive, but yes. I don't think it's unfair to say, when you ask people about their productivity in the office place, mm -hmm. that energy doesn't come in the top five, right? You think about your planning system, mm -hmm. your outlook, your inbox, your technology, your punctuality, your how much you get done, right? Organizing right. your schedule. Right. I don't know that many people would say, Managing my energy, energy is one of the top is things, critical. although it yeah. is critical. It is critical, yeah. and so many people are burning out, yeah. right? And in fact, interestingly, I was just reading an article how from a psychological perspective, the symptoms of burning out are identical to depression. Mm -hmm. So it's just tough to engage in things when you're burning out. And so, yes, critical. So I'm not depressed. I'm just burning out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I speak for you all out there as well. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about choice five, right? So feel your fire, don't burn out. There's five drivers within choice five, so don't get confused, right? There's five choices, yes, sir. and, and five in drivers. choice five, there are these things called these five drivers. That's right. And you and your co-authors name them as move, eat, sleep, relax, and connect. Yep. And you're today going to spend some time talking about the last three in particular, sleep, relax, and connect. Yeah, and if I can just say though, with all five, what I think is powerful about the framework of move, eat, sleep, relax, and connect, is it gives you five different areas that you can focus to increase your energy. So it's not just one thing. What we're saying is, you know, maybe sleep is a tough one for you. You're not a great sleeper. Well, then there are four other drivers that you can focus on to yeah, create right, energy. Right. And maybe just taking a moment to evaluate on these drivers, are each of these adding or detracting from the level of energy that I have, right? If you were to just run through them, is the way I move adding or detracting from my energy level? And it, you can get a sense of where you might want to focus to maybe have the best leverage on the few activities you yeah. decide to pursue. Let's dive deep into the last three, sleep, relax, and connect. Yeah. I really appreciate what you and your authors wrote around the narrative about sleep in the book. You said, sleep is where you consolidate learning. Mm -hmm. improve memory, and subconsciously sort out complex data and decisions. Getting a good night's sleep is not just enjoyable, it's vital to our own productivity. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there, there are two parts about sleep that I think are interesting. One is, there's an intuitive and obvious effect of sleep, right? When you don't sleep well, even just for one night, you really can feel it the next day. We've all felt that, right? It's that exhaustion and that fogginess, it's a headache. But there are some things about sleep that are a little bit less intuitive and less obvious, perhaps. And now, today, there's so much research about sleep. Yeah. Books coming out all the time about how important it is. And, and just to your point, it's about the cognitive function and the neuroscience of what sleep does in terms of consolidating memories, clearing out toxins from our brain, um, helping to process new information. And even with all of that science and the conversation about it, it's still one where we see so many leaders in particular are choosing not to get 
the amount of sleep that we know we need. In fact, there's a debunking going on right now around the correlation between sleep and like laziness. Yes. Is that sleep yes. is an intentional activity as important as what you eat and how you exercise. Sleep is an investment in you. Yeah. Talk about uh, what the research says around how many hours of sleep people yeah. need and, and, and thinking about it as an intentional investment in your health. Not just, I'm lazy, so I'm going to bed. Which right. I think in some ways has kind of become a bit of a common narrative. It, it has, and I think it was particularly, you know, a few years ago, leaders, you know, it was almost bragging rights right. to say, I mean, it was like How a humble, yeah, humble brag. I right. <laughs> only got four hours of sleep yeah. last night. And, and somehow that was perceived as being hardworking, right? That equates to hardworking. But so much research shows that you are compromised in the quality of your work and deliverables when you're sleeping less than you need to. And although there is an individual component to it, there are very few people that need less than seven hours of sleep a night and there are very few leaders that are getting seven hours right. of sleep a night. Right. Yeah. In fact, I have um, felt like there's been an unintended cultural consequence of high-performing leaders who perhaps unintentionally diminish the culture because they do talk about how little sleep they, they, they need, how little, mm -hmm. and it's, there's some shaming going on. Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe intentional, probably not, probably accidental around, well, gosh, I should be sleeping less, or yeah. I should be up sending emails when you're sending emails. And, At midnight And, and in one. your book, you yeah. talk about also the importance of a leader to set a quadrant two culture mm -hmm. versus a quadrant one culture. Mm -hmm. And it's also important for a leader to set, to model, yeah. right? It is, it or is. Or if you're only getting four hours of sleep, be quiet. <laughs> right? Because you're going to have yeah. some shaming yeah. involved that yeah. I should be doing the same. Because leaders create culture. You know, my co-author, Corey Kogan, she was magnificent at this. When she's had direct reports, she's always been very clear about her boundaries. So she might do emails Saturday, but she's let her team know, that's when I do mine. I would never expect you to reply that same day. But if she weren't overt about that, the assumption is that they ought to be responding right when they get the email, right? You get an email Saturday afternoon that was sent Saturday morning and it's made the rounds through 20 yeah. people yeah. already. So le leaders do create culture. So creating a culture where we are resting appropriately, creating the right boundaries is really important. It's one of the things, God, I've always appreciated about you because what time do you go to bed? Oh, I'm asleep at 10 o'clock. I am entering my bed at nine. Yes, yeah, yes, Because I right. know I need seven hours minimum every night and it took some courage of me to talk about that yes. in a minute because not everyone it, yeah right. not everyone has that boundary right. yeah i've always appreciated because you you do make a point you know you're not going to catch me at 10 p.m right yeah. i mean and that's important right. for a leader to be able to but be. you can catch me at 5 a.m yeah because i'm up ready to go tigger <laughs> yes. style right yes. at, you know yes. at 4:35. in fact it's not unusual for the ceo to text me at five in the morning yeah and i don't have any offense to that right he never texts me after at 9 p.m because yeah. he knows you yeah. know i'm asleep yeah. yeah yeah that's right and i'm a pretty productive person i think but i know what it takes for me to manage my energy through yeah, the day. Yeah, and you know, that's important. It's knowing what it takes for you to do that. And, and so there isn't, as I mentioned, an individual component to this, but if the sleep is one of the drivers that you struggle with, there are lots of things you can do to get better sleep and more sleep. And part of that just starts with shifting your mindset about how important it is. Because if you really saw how critical it is, and again, so many studies about the cognitive functioning with lack of sleep, if you see it as priority, you will behave accordingly. Right, right. So like, it starts like your, like there. Your, like your physical health and your mental right. health and your diet and such. That's right, that's yeah. right. 
I think um, I think it's more difficult for people to appreciate sleep because our worlds are now 24/7. Yeah. I mean, it's not unusual yeah. for us to get texts all night long. That's right. My wife has her mobile phone tied to all the security cameras. Yeah. So when a raccoon or a butterfly you know goes in front <laughs> of the camera, ding in the middle of the night, you know, it goes yes. off, and yes. and we have to be more deliberate around how we check out in the evenings. Mm -hmm. I was in a meeting just two days ago where the president of our firm asked where is, uh, his name is Scott actually, someone else, where is Scott Sumption right now? And someone said, well, he's in China. And he said, oh, that makes sense because he was texting me at like three o'clock this morning. And he was up, not feeling the need to respond, but kind of, yeah. right? Because it was yeah. all kind of, we're all in the same time zone yes. now, even though we're yes. not. Everyone's kind of on the same 24-hour time zone. And if you're a leader, again, th that's so important because if you're the one texting someone that reports to you who's on your team, they're feeling, even if your expectation isn't there, having worked with thousands of people, they'll say, no, my boss expects me to do this. And you can talk to the leader and say, no, I don't expect that. Yeah. But they've never said it. Right. So leaders create culture. Right. It's really important right. that we set that time. I think that's a very valuable tip today. As a leader, you're creating culture by accident or on purpose, yes. regardless of your intentions mm -hmm. that's happening. So if you are getting less sleep, requiring less sleep, or whatever it is, you should make the boundaries clear, clear. to your team. Yeah. Don't do what I'm doing yeah. on this. Or if you are doing that, you could perhaps send emails to go out later in the morning. It's easy right. to set a time for your emails to leave later in the morning, that's right? That's right, that's right. Let's talk about where most of us sleep, the bedroom. Yep. Uh, you aren't the only person to have an opinion on this. Lots of research around how people should create their bedroom, their bed for optimal sleep. Yeah. Walk us through those top kind of five or six yeah, things that lots of things. may seem trivial, but they're not. They're not. So, so one is your physical comfort. I mean, it's as simple as is your mattress, your pillow, your linens, your pajamas. Right. I mean, are you feeling okay physically? It's also, you know, reducing So my silk one piece, is that going to be okay? <laughs> Do you feel good in it, Scott? <laughs> I feel creepy now. Yeah, yeah. No. Keep going. <laughs> I'm not wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> There's also things like stimulus. So do you have blackout curtains? People tend to yeah, sleep better right. in complete dark. Or people use eye masks or earplugs or white noise machines. I mean, if, if sleep is something you struggle with, there, is, there are so many things you can do, even just by typing a quick browser search yeah. on sleep tricks or tips. And each one might feel small, but collectively yes. they're going to help yes, you. Yes, that's right. You also write about... Uh, preparing for bed mm -hmm. as important as you prepare for other parts of your day yeah. limiting your caffeine intake yeah. and, and eating and exercise talk about some of those things yeah so so if you eat a large meal within an hour of the time you go to bed you're going to sleep worse um, if you're drinking caffeine after mid-afternoon you will sleep worse um, you know if you so, so it's some of these kind of physiological things um, and then again to your point having a routine whether it's you know it's a hot shower or you know some some meditation that you do but having a routine also helps signal to your brain it's time to go to sleep yeah. and managing your technology in that last hour before you go to sleep is critical as well right so it's making sure that you don't have the blue light coming off of your computer screen or your phone it's setting your technology aside and just to your point earlier creating appropriate boundaries around your phone yeah. when you sleep as well right which is increasingly difficult because i have to think even happily married couples in the bedroom have their phones in bed, mm -hmm. right? And they're doing last That's minute right. texts, or they're That's checking right. their social media stream, or That's they're checking right. their kids, or the yeah. cameras in their house. Or they use it as the alarm clock. Everyone's, I use That's it as my right. alarm right. clock. Or, or right. perhaps to listen to something when you go to sleep, yes. or yes. a sleep tape or something. What are some, as a technology expert, which you are, what are some tips you might give people around managing their phone settings yeah. to make them work well for them at night during sleep? 
Well, again, I think it starts with having the mindset of how critical sleep is so that you're willing to create some of the boundaries. And then your technology has incredible functions. There are do not disturb functions. So one thing you mentioned to me um, when we were speaking last week that I thought was so interesting is those of us that have aging parents might be concerned, you know, a, last, a late night call. You sure. want to be accessible, yeah, right, right? right? And yet there are settings that say if it's a call from these five people, let it through. Otherwise, don't. So I could literally set my phone to ring for calls from my mother, my father, my brother. Yes, that's right. Between but otherwise, do 10 not disturb. Between and 5 a.m. Right, right. And yeah. it takes just, you know, Seconds. one minute yeah. to set that up and then right. two seconds every night to make sure that's on. So, so just spending a moment to say, you know, how important is sleep? Every ding that's going to pull you out of your sleep, you're paying for. I mean, there's a cost to that disruption. So just saying, you know, I, I'm not willing to pay that price because I understand how critical sleep is. I've used something that Dr. Daniel Amen, who was on our show a couple yeah. weeks ago, mentioned to my boys. I have a four, six, and eight-year-old boy. Yeah. And getting them to bed is obviously a big challenge, right? <laughs> Especially in the fall where it's still you know, bright out yes. at 8 p.m. And I've talked about how just like you wash your bodies, boys, when you go to sleep, your brain has to wash itself. Mm. There is this, other than your physical body, your brain needs to clear it out does. and clean up. And you only do that when you're sleeping. Yeah, and, and what people don't realize is that's actually physiological. At night, your brain cells actually shrink just a little bit so that there's wider pathways between and the fluid actually flushes out toxins. So you're exactly right. This is about cleaning your brain, consolidating memories, improving cognitive function, and, and just improving capability and performance. I think I don't necessarily enjoy sleep. It's not something I, I look Me forward neither. to. <laughs> but I definitely recognize its necessity and importance in yes, my energy yes. and my own productivity. And I'm the opposite of you. I love staying up late. Mm. I mean, if I could choose, I would go to bed at one o'clock every morning. I just love it. I love those quiet hours. Um, and I don't go to bed at one in the morning because I know I'm paying a price when yeah. I do. And some of that is just willpower to say, it's time for bed and I'm getting in bed. Yeah. yeah. Intentionality, right? Yeah, there's yeah. intentionality. Great conversation around sleep. I'm passionate about that. Thanks for the insights. Uh, we've been joined today by Lena Renee, who is the co-author of the book, The Five Choices. We're talking mainly about choice five, fuel your fire, don't burn out, and three of the five drivers within choice five. We just spent some time on sleep. We're gonna talk now about relax. Yes. Who knew? Who knew that <laughs> relaxing could improve part your productivity? Of productivity? In fact, not just can, but it's a critical part of our productivity. This is also about managing stress, yeah, right? That's Let's right. spend some time talking about how the driver of learning to relax as mm -hmm. part of the five drivers mm -hmm. in the fifth choice of the five choices. You don't make things easy. Do you? <laughs> Not for you, apparently, I Scott. <laughs> I need more sleep. <laughs> um, talk about how we can manage the stressors in our life. Well, so, so if I can just share what's so critical about this, this um, driver. Be, relax, again, this is individual. What relaxes you might not relax me. We have individual things and individual ways of managing By stress. By the way, I relax no one. <laughs> you know. Being in your presence is relaxing, yeah, Scott. <laughs> but every single one of us, just because we're humans and physiologically, the stress hormones that we are functioning with are damaging. And, and part of the reason that is, is that our stress response was evolved to respond to very 
um, immediate stressors. So you have a threat, your right. body reacts, right. then it flushes out those Flight stress. Or fight yes, or that's freeze. That's right, yeah. that's right. And in today's world, we don't have these immediate stressors that go away. We have a constant heavy stress. And it's the workload that we're right. carrying, it's the mortgage we're responsible, it's the demands yeah. of our personal Saber lives. Saber-toothed tigers attacking us are rare. Yes, rare. that's right, yeah. that's right. <laughs> and so we have um, a lifestyle that creates mounting pressure, mounting stress, and we're just not very well adapted for it. So the price we pay is in our health, and in our productivity. So it's figuring out how do we create routine and um, you know, processes that will let us relax within our chaotic schedules. I mean, identifying your stressors is important. It's vital to helping to figure out how to compartmentalize them and manage them down. Mm -hmm. I read once recently, I read a, one of those pithy quotes on social media that said, don't be a worrier, be a warrior. Oh, I and love it. And it talked also about you know, how much procrastination mm -hmm can lead to stressors in our lives right. and such. And, right. and the more proactive mm -hmm. we are, and the more centered we are on our, on our priorities, on our mm -hmm. values, that they can sometimes uh, even subsume, take the place of the minor stresses that become bigger stresses yeah. in our life, the more focused we are on what's important to yeah, us. Yeah, that's right. It's how all of these other choices can actually help you manage your stress, right? If I know what's important, if I know what extraordinary means and I'm prioritized, that means there's less stress in my life. And then there's lots of other things you can do to manage your stress as well. You probably can't solve anybody's mortgage stress, which you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> but give us some tips on some practical things on what we can do to lessen our stress or at least you know, kind of tap it down. Yeah, so, so I think, again, because it's individual, and, and I'd actually love to hear from you what you've seen other leaders do or what you yourself do. But the types of things I see, of course, being out in nature in the sunshine, mm. so getting a walk at lunch or a 10-minute walk at break, getting outside, breathing deep, meditation, spending time with friends, your favorite hobbies off and relax you and and again having perspective is it, you know my work today if you fast forward a month is this stressor going to have long-term impact right, right. right or a year from now and yet we get so wrapped up in the moment and so caught up in being reactionary to what's coming at us so part of it's maybe zooming out a little bit as well I'd love to hear from you. I mean, what other things do you see leaders doing? What well, do you do? I mean, I don't, for me, I would go back to procrastination. Uh, in my role, I have a, a heavy load of deliverables. I write a mm. LinkedIn article every week. Mm -hmm. I write a blog for this series. I'm co-authoring three books right yes. now. I'm interviewing a guest every week. So yeah. a, lot, a lot of deadlines. Yes. And the marketing division that I collaborate with has some tight deadlines. If my blog is, you know, five hours late, it puts them into, you know, a free fall, right? Because yeah. they, have, they, have, they have templates to build and yeah. videos to edit and things like that. So I find that I have to do a better job of being much more proactive. If my article's due on Wednesday, I really need to be thinking about it on Thursday, yeah. the week before. Yes. And writing it on Friday yes. and editing it on Saturday so it's ready to kind of um, uh, germinate over the weekend. Right. So I have to be much more proactive as I have these deadlines because historically when I was the leader, I was less concerned about things backing up for others, mm -hmm. honestly. And now as I'm kind of peer-to-peer, -peer, I realize that uh, I have to do my share, right? What, yeah. is it, what is that major phrase? Um, your lack of planning does not constitute <laughs> an emergency on my part. That's right. I'm more mindful of That's being right. uh, more proactive and less um, 
procrastinating. And you know, procrastination is an interesting one because we do have this cognitive aversion to anything that we perceive as unpleasant. So if there's something that it's a, it's a like the mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> or the article, even if we enjoy writing, it's one of those things that's kind of weighting us down. But but that cognitive aversion, if you just launch into the activity, if you stop procrastinating, say I'm just spending five minutes on it, you'll overcome that aversion. And five minutes in, you're ready to actually do more work on it. So it's just starting sometimes that Something else I see that I do, other leaders do, is just take on too much. Yes. Just, just, you know, just blatant, yes. just yes. overcommitting. Yeah. It's my fault. I can't be on three church committees. I can't yes. be on two school committees. Yeah. And I just have to be more mindful. I can't be all things to all people. I can't right. manage everybody's career and all that. I have to start saying no. Yeah. Because my stress begins when I let someone down. Yeah, and this, again, loops right back into choice one and two. Do I know what my priorities are? Do I really know what's important to me? And have I defined my vision of being extraordinary? Do I know what it means to be extraordinary in all of my roles as a leader, as a colleague, as a parent, as a spouse? Because if I know what it means to be extraordinary in those roles, I can quickly discern that activity, it doesn't get me closer to extraordinary. And I have to say no to it. Or I'm compromising who I want to be. Right, I'm comp compromising my extraordinary vision. I, I think the um, power of no can't be underestimated, mm -hmm. the value of it. I was talking with Stephen M. R. Covey, our colleague who wrote The Speed of Trust, yes. last week. And we're bringing him in tomorrow to talk with an uh, outside PR agency because we have a lot of media outlets asking him to write columns mm -hmm. and give speeches. And, and I was frustrated that Stephen wasn't more excited about it. Mm. And I was, as I was pitching to him this great opportunity, he basically humbled me, not intentionally, and said, Scott, I have not been doing this from a lack of opportunity. Yeah. He says, it's just, I don't want to disappoint, let people down. Mm -hmm. I, I deliver on my commitments, which is one of his 13 behaviors, right? And he's very intentional around what he agrees to do, because if he says yes, you can take that to the bank. Mm -hmm. And he's very deliberate around not saying yes to too many things, even sometimes great things. Otherwise, with most of us, we'd be like salivating. The New York Times yes, called, they want an yes, article? Yes. Maybe not the Times, right? <laughs> <laughs> Different interview, but you get the point, right? Is I was really uh, inspired by his careful, yeah. deliberate way to say, I'm saying no, not because that's not interesting, but I want to make sure I deliver on that and don't violate expectations. You know, I just read a story about Peter Drucker who did the same thing, you know, mm. father of modern management, yeah. so, so profound in his work. But he would be asked to do interviews and he would frequently, nearly always refuse. And in that refusal would say, I have a giant waste basket by my desk where I put requests like yours. <laughs> Not because I don't respect the work you're doing, but because by doing so allows me to focus on my own work. Well, yeah. Right, and, and so, yeah. so I think when you look throughout history and all of the people that we admire, all of the people who've authored these books, yeah. you only get there by being able to say no to the things that aren't right. really aligned right. with your priorities. Right. Right. And doing so really does help you manage your stress. And I might even argue that our last minutes here on this topic is that I think maybe the older you get, the wiser you get, mm. hopefully the more mature, the more you can say no, the more you mm. are less focused on trying to please others mm -hmm. and more you're focused on pleasing yourself from the perspective of executing on your top priorities. What's important mm -hmm. to me? Now, obviously, mm -hmm. in any organization, you have to meet other people's needs. But I find myself, when I work from home, which I'm afforded the opportunity, I can say, I did like seven things that are important to me. 
Now, important to me to drive the business, yes. but I didn't spend my entire day just serving and solving yes. other people's needs. That's right. That's right. And, and you didn't spend the day sinking into the menial tasks that we find ourselves yeah. so wrapped up in. Yeah. Yeah. I probably did, but it's different. <laughs> <laughs> That's the gravel, right? So, Lena, thank you. Great yeah. conversation around stressors. Thank you. So, if you're just joining this third part, we have Lena Renee, who is the vice president of our consulting division. And she's joining us today at Franklin Covey talking about the best selling book, The Five Choices, specifically Choice Five around Fuel Your Fire, Don't Burn Out. We spent some time talking about the five drivers. Yeah. I'll repeat what those are within Choice Five move, eat, sleep, relax, and finally connect. connect. Let's spend some time talking about the value of connections, mm -hmm. how social relationships help to fuel our fire yeah. and, and, and build our energy and productivity. Right, and so connect, when we talk about connecting, this really is anchored in the relationships that we have and also connecting with your purpose, right? So it's connecting in relationships and connecting back to your purpose and your priorities. In terms of relationships, we are social beings, whether you're introverted or extroverted. Relationships are an important part of our lives. And, and the question is, you know, are we intentionally investing in those relationships? Are we intentionally spending time with those people that we know are most important to us and building those relationships, reaching out to them, spending, you know, investing energy in them? We know that doing so gives you energy as well. So much science around the value of relationships, especially in retirement. Yeah. And I may be wrong, but there's some studies around one of the reasons why women live longer than men is because some of the richness of their relationships Social, older in yeah. life. And yeah. sometimes, and this is probably um, a too broad statement, but too often men have so few relationships, yeah. they become a little more mentally isolated. Is yeah. there truth to that? Well, I don't know about the gender, I haven't seen studies on the gender yeah. differences, but absolutely true around how you feel and your health when you're isolated. I mean, absolutely. In fact, there are some even studies that show, in a short-term sense, people who are isolated for as little as 12 hours start to perform more poorly on cognitive tests, right? 12 hours of isolation. And, and this loops back into choice four in technology. It is a bit easier to be isolated in today's world yeah. when you're only connecting digitally right. through social right. media. Right. Yeah. So, so, so when we uh, developed the content and wrote the book, we partnered with Ed Hallowell, who talked about it's so critical to have what he called a human moment. And a human moment is where you're present and you're with someone and how much that does for our mood and our thinking and our energy and our productivity. It seems like a nice to have, but it's a must have. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And yet, like, like all sleep, that's like exactly relaxation, these, these, yeah. these are important topics in our life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think, well, I can still just power through. You don't pay an immediate price if you get a bad night of sleep or even a week or a month of sleep. You can power through, but you certainly aren't achieving the level of extraordinary productivity we're talking about. And that's true with any of these drivers, including yeah. Connect. You can be isolated and ignore your friendships or your relationships for some amount of time. But again, you're paying a price for it. So. It's a fact that we're social beings. Yes. And that our brains and our health thrive on that. Yes. I think my gender slander is probably right because there'll be a hundred people at my funeral, a hundred people, my wife will need to run a stadium. Because yes. there'll be like 50,000 yes. people yes. at my wife's yes. funeral. And she's found, very social. And I, I found the, the compelling, the life expectancy that comes with that. I mean, I absolutely could yeah. see that that would impact that. I also think that as it relates to relationships, Again, our intentionality, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I wrote an article once and have a video about how important it is to not accidentally but deliberately pick our friends. Yeah. That if you look at your circle of friends, how many of them kind of come in accidentally mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. where do they 
you know, meeting a certain need? Have you kind of deliberately identified what role they play in your life? Right. I think you can get yourself also on the flip side, which is too many relationships yes. and they're fatiguing and exhausting. They're not yes. actually adding value to your life in the same you adding value to theirs. That's right. That's right. I mean, it comes right back to being intentional and saying no to those things that aren't adding to you, aren't adding to your productivity and to your vision of extraordinary. You know, as I interview you more, I realize how how deliberate the book is. All of these thoughts really come together and they're not, they're not episodic at all, right? Yeah, they, they're they're yeah. all, they're numbered for a reason, they're named for a reason, yes. the five drivers build on each other. Mm -hmm. So let's have you back sometime to talk about uh, uh, choice four around that. technology. I would love that. Because there's a great link between ruling your technology and having balance in your life, right? Yes, Not letting it yes. rule you. Huge balance. In fact, you just have to say that and people are like, yep, there is. Yes. There definitely yeah. is. Yeah. Before we end, let's talk about the next book coming out. Okay. So you are a co-author with Sandy Rogers and Sean Moon on Franklin Covey's next We Think Big bestseller. Yep. It's coming out on November 6th, which is election day. Did you time that way? <laughs> <laughs> Was there a message you had in that? Probably. That's the publisher. We'll blame that on the publisher, Fierce right? Fierce loyalty. November 6th in uh, 2018. Mm -hmm. The title is Fierce Loyalty, and I love the tagline, Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion. Mm -hmm. That's right. It was such an incredible process writing the book and doing all of the research around it. You know, the premise of the book is that customer loyalty can determine your success or failure as an organization. And while customers respond to the frontline person they interact with, that person really is responding to their leadership. So the book is about how do you create a culture where you're focused on building loyalty and what are the specific behaviors that are required to build loyalty through your frontline and through your leadership team as well. And the book has a kind of a double uh, purpose, right? Mm -hmm. It's building loyalty with customers, but also with your employees. Yes, yes. Because it's based on this adage that, you know, treat your employees well, they'll take care of your customer. That's right. Not quite That's that right. aloof, but I mean. Yeah, well, Dr. Yeah. Covey said, you know, always treat your employees the way you would want them to treat your right. very best customer right. because it does flow through. Yeah. yeah. The book is organized around these 11 huddles, mm -hmm. these huddles that you teach with team leaders and managers. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the book, like the five choices, aligns directly with the offering, yeah. the two day, two day, one day, um, one day, one day, day work session, that's yeah, right. called leading uh, customer loyalty. Leading customer loyalty. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm excited for autograph copy. Yeah, you we'll bet. get that book up on the wall. <laughs> Maybe we'll have you back if you'll come back. I'd love for to. interviewing that topic as well. Thank Lana, you, Scott. Lena, great Thank insight. You so much. I feel like you're a, you're a, my, the neurologist, neuroscientist <laughs> that I always wanted in a great friend. Not a neurologist. Don't do that, right? <laughs> Open that brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay away. Lena, nice to have you. Thanks, Scott. We hope you improve your sleep. Relax more, manage your stressors, and actually have a little bit better social connections in your life as a result of our discussion with Lena Renee. As always, this comes out every Tuesday, the On Leadership series, both in an email newsletter that has a downloadable tool and a blog, as well as in a podcast format, format on all of your podcast channels that are your favorite, too. So we'd love it if you would... Uh, Tell your friends and family and colleagues about the On Leadership Weekly Newsletter and have them subscribe as well. And we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another great interview. Thanks so much.